thank you so, so much for this awesome day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together. And we just pray, dear God, that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, prepare us, Lord, for what you have for us. Thank you for the book of Daniel and the way it challenges us to be uncompromising in our faith, to stand for truth. And to and to just impact the world around us by the way we live our lives. We love you. We praise you. We pray that you would use us, Lord. Use this scripture in our lives as we leave this place. May we use it, Lord God, in our lives to touch the lives of others. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, so we've been in the book of Daniel, and now our story this morning starts basically 70 years after Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are taken by Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, to Babylon. So 70 years has now taken place as transpired. Daniel is in his 80s as we as we read this. King Nebuchadnezzar has been gone for basically 24 years. And Belshazzar, it's just different. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar named Daniel Belshazzar with a T. This is Belshazzar, which is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son or grandson. We're not absolutely sure. He's now ruling... Okay, he's now ruling a shrinking and weakening empire. So Belshazzar has taken over the Babylonian Empire. Daniel prophesied this years before. The Babylonian Empire begins to shrink and weaken. A new power is on the rise. A new power, an incredible power. The Middle Persian Empire. And the Persians, the Middle Persian Empire has now surrounded the city of Babylon. Basically, the city of Babylon, this one area, is all that's left of this once powerful. We've, we've read about it. We've talked about it. This once powerful empire, this kingdom. So they surrounded Babylon. And the, 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 the Babylonians are still secure in their, in their place, but they've been surrounded. Now, you might think to yourself, man, they must have been really, really nervous. They must have been really concerned about this. And I'm sure they were concerned. And you, you may be thinking they felt really vulnerable because their empire. But, but in reality, the Babylonians felt pretty secure behind their wall. Now, you remember what we talked about last week. You think, well, their, 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 their empire is now crumbling and, and uh, things are going terribly wrong and all they really have is a city. And so you'd think they feel really vulnerable. And I'm sure they were uncomfortable with, the, with now this new empire coming in, this Middle Persian empire coming in and surrounding them. But they really weren't. And we talked about this last week. They had a wall, that's a 15-mile wall that surrounded the city of Babylon. So a 15-mile wall. Remember how big this wall was. All right, so you had the wall. It was a double wall, not just a single wall. A double wall, 15 miles around the city. We said last week that the walls were 85 feet tall. As I, as I read on, in some cases, as you read in different, in different areas, the estimates went up to a couple of hundred feet tall. So anywhere from 85 feet tall to hundreds of feet tall was these, were these double walls around the city. 27 feet thick. Okay? It's 27 feet thick. 
The Euphrates River ran diagonally through the city and basically the walls were built over the Euphrates so armies could not get in. They had the river running through it. And here, and to top it all off, to make them feel a little more comfortable about their situation, they had 20 years of food and supplies stored up for themselves. So they're behind. This isn't, this isn't nowadays you drop bombs on them or whatever else, or you can fling things over the wall. Maybe you can fling some things over the wall, but you're talking about a 15-mile double wall that's 27 feet thick, hundreds of feet high, okay? You have the Euphrates River running diagonally through your city. You've got 20 years of reserves there. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves, feeling pretty safe from their enemies. Now, you may be able to surround the city of Babylon... But and they may feel a little bit uncomfortable, but they're still and from a human standpoint, we're talking about human standpoint. They're still feeling pretty solid about their position in the world, even though things are not going as well as they did before. So with that as a backdrop, we'll go into Daniel chapter five. Daniel five one says King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Now, the Bible tells us that the king threw this enormous party. It was a huge party. It says that one thousand of his nobles were there. It also says that they brought their wives. They brought their concubines. Okay, to this party. So you have wives and concubines. And and, and so you have the, the now you have the nobles, you have the wives, you have the concubines. And then you also would have guards. You would also have servants. You have also have others. So you're basically looking at a massive party of thousands of people. So there are thousands of people at this at this party. The king knew that in order to throw a party um, that would kind of make people forget about their problems, if you will. You know, the empire, you know, sometimes empires, obviously, they start to decline. You remember the Roman Empire and they would start to use the Colosseum and and uh, get people in there to forget their problems by throwing lion, throwing people to lions and having battles with the gladiators and all this. It took their minds off their culture, if you will, or their empire that was on the decline. So they give people food and they put on these wild parties. Well, this is what the king was doing. And he knew if he was going to get people to forget their problems, that he had to throw a pretty wild big party for these folks. So the king knew also in order to have a really successful party like this, you needed a couple of things. Okay, one, lots of women. Okay, lots of women. So you have the wives, you have the concubines, you have all these women that are there. You need alcohol, lots of alcohol. And you need a lot of food. So you, yeah, and in this case, the alcohol was wine. So they had tons of food. They had a lot of women and they had um, a lot of well, food and wine. So there it is. Now, um, I, I want you, if you will, and not too much, but I want you to use your imagination of kind of what kind of party this was. Okay, so don't use too much of your imagination, because church. But you, what what kind of party this was? Okay, you have the concubines, you have the you have alcohol flowing all day long, and you have tons of food. All right, and you want he's wanting people to pretty much forget what's going on here. So you have all the sex and all this drinking, and you think that would be enough. Okay, but then the king, King Belshazzar, does something. I don't know how else to put it. He does something massively stupid. Okay, just this is just massively stupid. 
As the day wore, wore on, King Belshazzar decides, I'm going to go and I'm going to go get the goblets, the gold and silver goblets that we took from Jerusalem 70 years earlier. We're going to go get those goblets out of storage and we're going to use those goblets to drink all of our wine and do all of our stuff. So he, that's what he does. And understand something. This was a blatant, okay, a blatant in your face move. By King Belshazzar. There's no way around it. This is one of those, he's back to whose God is better days. Remember in the very beginning, Nebuchadnezzar was always doing that. Whose God is better? He found out. Nebuchadnezzar found out. Well, Belshazzar's, you know, bringing back the old days of whose God is better. And this is not a really smart move on his part. And understand something. The king knew exactly what he was doing. Because when, when we, as we go through this process and you read through this and you read through the story, you wonder, why would God do that? The king knew exactly what he was doing when he went and got those gold and silver goblets. And this time, God responds immediately, very quickly. In Daniel chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says, While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple of Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and their wives and their, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. So you have wine, women, and song. This party is getting completely out of control. And if, if the king was trying to make everyone pretty much forget the problems of the empire, uh, this was a pretty good plan. Or not. Or so he thought it was a pretty good plan, but it wasn't a good plan at all. So if using the goblets, okay, wasn't bad enough, if this wasn't blatantly defiant and challenging enough, then they do something even more disrespectful. In Daniel chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Remember what Galatians 6, 7 says? You remember that? It says, it says do, not be, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Okay, so here's Belshazzar. He not only goes out, he not only goes and gets the goblets, okay, that they put, that they had taken from Jerusalem 70 years before and starts using them. And then he doubles down on his stupidity by, then start, he starts praising the gods, all these other Babylonian gods. This is, this is, this is the mentality here. Now, this, is, this happened last time, so I'm going to preempt this. You're going to ask, where was Daniel? Okay, where was he? Daniel, this huge party. All these nobles are supposed to be there. Where's, where's Daniel? Well, Daniel is not there. Daniel's probably off praying, praying somewhere. Okay, at this point, the king and all his nobles, they could care less where Daniel was, right? They don't, they don't care about Daniel at all. I'm sure the last person, think about this, the last person you want at this party, okay, the last person you want at this party is Daniel. The last person you want at a party like this, at this basically drunken orgy, is someone like Daniel, okay? Because godly people, somehow when it comes to this, godly people are kind of a killjoy, okay? 
Don't you think godly people are kind of a killjoy at a wild, rude party that is blaspheming God? All right. That's basically what's happening now. There is a wild, I'm going to say wild and rude is a nice way to put it party. And now on top of being wild and rude with all the things that were going on with the concubines and the drinking and everything, now they blaspheme God. So I doubt they wanted Daniel there anyway, but something's about to happen that will change all of that. People don't want when you're, when things are going on, sometimes they don't want you around. They don't, you don't get invited. Okay. Daniel didn't get invited to this party. Some others didn't get invited to this party, but now something's going to happen that changes all of that. Daniel may not have been present at this party. Daniel may not have been invited. He may not have been present, but you know who was? God was. And God responds, okay, God crashes their party in an absolutely dynamic way. It's one of those stories that's like really cool. So God shows up in a dynamic way. And, and you know, when if you're going to blaspheme God, if you're going to treat God in that way, if you're going to disrespect God, if you're going to mock God, if you're going to challenge God, then the response very often is uh, up to the challenge of the person who's, who's, who's blaspheming God. So in, in Daniel 5, 5, it says, Suddenly, the fingers of a hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. Now, you've got to picture this. So there, picture the party. Da-na-na, they're all whatever doing. You know, I won't get into all they're doing. But, they, you know, they're doing all their stuff. Can you imagine all the stuff they're doing? They're drinking, carrying. All of a sudden, a hand, fingers show up and start writing on the wall. No, a hand, not, not, not arms, not a body, not a face, just a hand. Just a hand. It shows up and starts writing on the wall, the plaster wall, near the lampstand in the royal palace. Party is raging, everything's going on, and this is something you just cannot miss. Okay? A giant hand, fingers, writing on the wall. So the king... The king sees these words being written on the wall and you have to kind of put yourself in this position and terror comes over him. All right. He goes pale. He basically goes as white as a sheet. You ever see those cartoons where people's knees knock together? That's literally what happened. The Bible says that he was, his knees were knocking together. He was so terrified at what he was seeing. Of course, everyone would be. All right. So he was so terrified. He went white as a sheet. His knees started knocking together. And all of a sudden, he basically, his knees buckle and nearly falls to the ground in, in, in fright. Have you ever been really afraid? Go back in your mind. At that time, you were really afraid. Terrified, if you will. I remember, I remember when I, we go to Camp of the Woods in the Adirondack Mountains in New York basically every year for vacation. Take July, a lot of July, we go to the Adirondack Mountains. It's beautiful up there. You can fish and there's a place called the Kunjamuk and you get in your, your kayak or your canoe and you go down. There's great fishing down there. And it's up in the mountains and it's an, it's a nice town, all right? But at night it gets kind of dark and, and one time, this is about maybe 10, 15 years ago. We were up there and Debbie's relatives had built a log cabin in this, in this decent neighborhood. It was a really nice neighborhood. 
Um, and there was rentals that went down the road. And then we stayed in one of the rentals at the very end of the road. So we're watching a movie at one of her cousin's house. And the movie's over. It's about 11, 1130. And I'm, they had already, Deb and, and, and the rest of it had already left. And so I'm there by myself. And they said, well, you know, you got to walk down the road. And so do you need a flashlight? Well, I'm a man. I don't need a flashlight. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a grown man. Who needs a flashlight? I know where the road is. It's a straight road. It's no big deal. Okay. Straight road. There's a light way at the end of the road. I figured, you know, it'd be lit up enough. Well, I went outside. I'm not exaggerating. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You cu- I couldn't see anything. I already left. They turned the lights out. So I'm now standing at the. Now, here's the thing. This year, it didn't rain very much. And so the bears were coming down out of the mountains. And there were so many bears walking around. I actually saw one. I'd never seen a bear before. But I saw a bear on the side of the road. Deb saw it and Josh saw it. We saw these bears on the side of the road. So there were bears everywhere. And this is a true story. Because I know the person this happened to. Okay, So it wasn't like, oh, I heard this story, you know, 20th hand or whatever. These people were sitting around a fire on the beach that, this particular year. And they were eating s'mores. And as they're eating their s'mores, one person has it like this. He's got it in his hand. He's telling a story. It was so dark. A bear walked up behind him, reached over his shoulder and snatched the s'more out of the guy's hand and ate it. You want to talk about your knees knocking the other turn? Why is the seat? Okay. So the bears have come. I've seen a bear. I heard the s'more story. Okay. And, and here, you got a picture of this road. There's a road, it goes down, and the house is back here, and our, our little cabin we rent is all the way at the end of the road, and there's a little bitty light at the end of the road, so I could see where I needed to get to. The whole, this whole side of the street, this is the Adirondacks, no one built anything there, it was kind of a state property, and it was just woods, and then the Kunjamuk River that ran down next to it. So you had all woods, and I'm just picturing as I'm, I'm looking to go down this road, bears lined up waiting. You know what I'm saying? They're just waiting, to, you know, and I'm in flip flops. Okay. I'm in flip flops. So I'm a six foot three guy in flip flops. And I, and I honestly, I am not the guy who I can walk through the, the, you know, the big building back here, the soccer field, the lights aren't on. I don't care. I walk through there. Oh, it's all scary. Eh, you know, the person's going to jump me. They got to be stronger than me to beat me anyway, even if they jump me. So I always figure I got a decent chance, right? But bears, are, I always think through, if this ever happens, what do you do? Well, when it comes to bears, you just go, dang it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not much you're going to do, right? So I'm about to run down, and I'm in flip-flops. And all I'm doing is picturing these bears lined up. And I said, I, said, I just got to, my heart is pounding. I just had to run for it. So I start running, okay? Do you ever run in flip-flops? Okay, I'm sorry. You're not, this is not an athletic kind of running you're going through. And you're, and you're, and it's like, it, it sounds like a bear snack running down the thing, right? I, if you want to know what a bear snack sounds like, a six foot three guy in flip flops running down the street, okay? And I can picture all the bears just turning going, oh, snack. You know what I mean? Here it comes. So I run all the way down and I get there. I finally get, the bear didn't get me. There was no, there were probably no bears there. And they're probably frightened by this crazy man running in flip-flops down the road screaming, ah, and I wasn't running. I wasn't screaming. I was running, but I wasn't screaming. <laughs> I had my dignity. So I got there. I got to the house and I walked in like, oh, you're, I'm, I'm, yeah, everything's good. No problem. Just walk down. Tell you what, next time, flashlight, baby, so I can see the bears that are going to eat me, right? I know, I know they're there. So Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, Belshazzar is like absolutely knees knocking, 
knees buckling, terrified at what he's saying. And why not? Why not? Why not? When the event was over, the king calls all of his wise men together. And he's asking them, okay, any, any, any of you wise people know? And, you know, are you, uh, personally, I, when I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, enough. All right. How many times do we have to hear Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or anybody else calling their wise men together? So he calls his wise men together and he says, hey, if anyone can tell me what the writing on the wall, there's, there's words on the wall, what these words mean, okay, I will give you a reward and you will become the third most powerful person in the empire. And again, his wise men, his, you know, astrologers and, you know, all these kind of these, these, you know, people that had all kinds of abilities to read dreams and things. They had they were clueless. They were absolutely clueless. The magicians, all of them, completely clueless. Well, this freaks the king out even more. OK, he gets completely freaked out. Now the party's over. Now it's really over. Okay, you might be drunk and thinking you're seeing a hand. You really, the hand is there. The writing's on the wall. Okay, the writing is on the wall. What does the writing say? What does it mean? They had no idea. He's freaked out. What to do? Daniel chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, or at least the next couple of days or hours. She said, that last part I made up. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. Okay, you weren't here. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the t- that means, from their perspective, it means, you know, they didn't understand totally, but um, he basically had the Holy Spirit in him is what they were trying to say. In the, time, in the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him. When I, and it says father, you say, well, he could have his father or grandfather. That word can be interpreted either, either his uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son or his grandson or his successor. That's why I said you don't know for absolute sure. So your, your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, B-E-L-T-Shazar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. So enter our hero, Daniel. Daniel the uncompromising. That's what I love to call Daniel. Daniel the uncompromising. Enter Daniel. Okay, Daniel is now an old man and Daniel has lived his life in faithfulness and service to God his whole life. Never compromising. Chapter one, he didn't compromise with the food. Chapter two, all the way through, no compromise. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no compromise. So enter Daniel, the uncompromising. And I love, I was thinking about it this week. You remember like Caleb. Caleb, when Moses sent out the spies, right? Caleb and Joshua were the two that came back and said, hey, we can do this. In the Bible, it says that Caleb was 85 years old when he went and basically said, hey, give me that mountain up there where the giants live. I'm just as strong and vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then 40 years ago. So to me, Caleb and Daniel are similar. Daniel is now in his 80s. All right. And so they call on Daniel again, this faithful man of God, this faithful man of God who helped Nebuchadnezzar 
through so many things in his life, through so many trials and difficulties of his life, Daniel basically saved Nebuchadnezzar's life in more ways than one. So enter now, re-enter, if you will, Daniel. Daniel managed, our, our, our hero, if you will, managed to stay loyal to God through so many... This is what we're talking about, uncompromising. You look at the life of Daniel. He stayed loyal to God through so many challenging times, through so many ups and downs, through so many changes within the government, through all the people who are trying to trap him. He stayed loyal to his God. He stayed faithful to God. He stayed uncompromising in difficult circumstances. Now he's called upon again to help another Babylonian king basically one last time. One last time. So let me give you a few observations here. First, Christians, Christians are often left out, if you think about it. You say, where was Daniel when all was going? Christians are often left out because they don't or they shouldn't, if you will, fit into the choices being made by a compromising, ever-changing culture. We're left out. And we should be, honestly, we should want to be left out of some of what's going on around us. Because we are, we are surrounded by many people who compromise at every turn. The culture is ever-changing. And so it's okay to be left out of things. You should, honestly, we should count it, if you're in this group, you should count it an honor, an honor, when you're, when you're asked not to participate You should count it an honor when you're asked not to participate in some of these activities when you're not invited. You say, well, I want to be invited to that party. I really, you know, this is going to be a great, biggest party of the year and you're not invited. Maybe you're not invited. That's an honor not to be invited. They didn't invite Daniel to their wild party. And I said it before, who wants a godly person at a godless party? And all the things that are be going on there. And you guys know, some of you know better than I do, what goes on all these different places and parties. Okay, I've been distanced from it for so long now. I haven't been to any of these kind of parties. But you know what goes on at a lot of these parties. And it's an honor not to be invited to the party. Daniel wasn't invited to the party. It's very interesting, too. I found this. I was thinking about this. Um, when I first became a Christian and I started going to church on a regular basis, it, it didn't take me very long to, I mean, to switch from darkness to light. I went from darkness, okay, living in darkness to light. And when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Okay, I wanted to talk about Jesus. I wanted to share Jesus. I wanted to read my Bible. I may not know. I may not have known as much as other people who've been in church all their lives, but I was zealous. I mean, I, I loved Jesus. I knew Jesus was my life. And a lot of my friends abandoned me. They didn't want to be around me anymore. I wasn't, I guess, didn't do the same stuff as I used to do. Didn't talk like I, like I would before. Didn't use the same language. And so they kind of abandoned me. But I found it interesting then that when something went wrong in their lives, guess who they called? Even though I hadn't seen them in a little while. And I mean this sincerely. 35 years later, I haven't seen some of these folks, but we've connected through Facebook. 35 years later, guess what happens when their lives go south? And I haven't even seen them, many of them. I've seen a couple, but I haven't even seen them in 35 years. 
But they watch what I write on Facebook and they, they, they know who I am. They know what I, what I stand for. And my friends from 35 years ago as teenagers will still call me and ask me or ask me to pray for them or ask for advice. 35, that's not bragging. I'm just, it's just a reality of what I'm, I'm talking about all of us. When things go south in people's lives, what they'll do is they'll go to find the person that they know they can trust, that they know they can count on, they know they're going to get a good response from. Daniel wasn't invited to the party. But when God intervened, okay, when God intervened and there was, there was, no, there was no answer, they, you know, get all the magi- magicians together, get all the enchanters together, get them all together. When he got them all together and no one knew what the heck to do, when they were completely clueless, they had no answers, guess who becomes the man of the hour again? Hey, go get that guy, Daniel. Go get Daniel. You remember Daniel. Go get Daniel. See, those who live their lives with honor, with moral character, with integrity, with godly wisdom are often overlooked, right? They're they're, they're overlooked. But when things go south, they're the first ones that are called. And this is exactly what happened to Daniel. King Belshazzar offers him basically um, an amazing deal. He gets with Daniel and he offers him an amazing deal. Okay, wow, the king is going to call Daniel. He's going to, and he says to him, hey, if you, can, if you can interpret the words that are written on this wall, you know, Johnny, tell him what he'll get, you know. And so he, he, says, he says, oh, a new car. No, he says, you're going to get a gold, a solid gold chain. You get a robe. You get this really cool robe of royalty and a solid gold chain. So he, first he looked like a rapper. You know what I'm saying? So Daniel, yo, yo. No, he's a... So he gets, a, he would get this royal robe and he would get this, isn't it sad, 54 year old guy trying to go yo-yo on stage. It's like, okay, so he get this solid gold chain, he'd get this robe and then he would be the third most powerful man in Babylon. And that's about the silence is basically what happened. Daniel's 80 years old, okay? D- Daniel could care less. He is not interested at all in the king's offer. I mean, he is not like, oh, you're kidding. Wow, I've been waiting for all my life. It, it, it took more. It took more than, than this. It took, it, took, it took more to impress Daniel than this godless, drunken king could offer. Way more, way more. He doesn't need it, and he doesn't want it. And Daniel, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and we're going to come back to it next week. When Daniel chapter five and verse 17, here's what he says. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your reward to some, rewards to somebody else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Now, you have to understand, let's go back to chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, right? Daniel had already, Daniel's a prophet. Daniel had already prophesied what was going to happen. Remember the statue? Right. He understood all this. So Daniel was a prophet. He understood what was coming down. He understood what was happening. So Daniel says, listen, I don't want any of your stuff. But listen, I will gladly tell you what's written on the wall, because pretty much Daniel knows what's written on the wall. So he starts out by refusing the king's offer. But he says, I will gladly explain to you this this kind of abnormal or mysterious handwriting. So Daniel tells him, not only 
what's written on the wall. And this is important. He didn't, he didn't just say, well, there's the words, bing, 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 this is what it means. He not only tells them what the words mean, but he tells them why God wrote it in the first place. Why did, that's important. Why did God write this? What was the purpose here? Why, why did God write it? And then what did he write? And what he wrote on the wall was absolutely amazing. Again, because it fulfills prophecy. So it's, this is absolutely amazing. What was written and why was it written? It's really amazing. And I'll tell you what it was. We'll tell you what it was. It is next week. All right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Same that time, same that channel. Kevin, a couple weeks ago. Leave it with that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this awesome day. Thank you so much for your word and how it impacts our lives. Father, we pray that we would not leave here the same people, that we would be changed people, that we would recognize, Lord, what it means to be uncompromising in our faith, to stand boldly for your word and for your truth. God, thank you that sometimes we are not invited places. Thank you that sometimes we are left out because all that means is that we are set apart for you and people recognize that. So whether it's a teenager not being invited to the party and maybe they feel bad, they should feel honored because they are set apart for you. They are not invited for a reason. Daniel was not invited for a reason because he was uncompromising. Father, help us to have that kind of attitude, that uncompromising attitude, that heart that stands for you, that people at work or people at school or people in your neighborhood or even your family, Lord God. That when we get left out of those situations, family gatherings sometimes, office parties, people going out afterward and they don't invite some people, they don't invite you. What an honor. What a privilege. You have been set apart for God's use. But Father, I pray that we would have the right attitude when that happens to us and that we would prepare ourselves because when you show up and life is not going the way they expected it to go, we pray, dear God, that we would have a humble heart to offer wisdom and encouragement and love and support and that we would be able, we would have the opportunity to share the truth of your word and who you are with those who maybe left us out. So God, we love you and we pray. We pray specifically for an opportunity. We pray for opportunities in the near future that we would have a chance, Lord God, when called upon, and we would have the boldness. We have an opportunity and we would take the opportunity and have boldness and zeal and strength to share the truth of who you are with those coming to us and asking for that advice or had that need. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for the, your Bible. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the dynamic stories, the truth of the past that we can apply to our lives today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray it. Amen. Have a great week. And if, again, if you want to stick around for the baptisms, please do so.